to just pay attention during the message, Lord. Help us to apply it to our lives. Help uh, Pastor Dad to speak eloquently and fluently. Uh, but more important, Lord, more importantly, Lord, help lives to be changed and hearts to be transformed. And help us to walk out of here as people more committed to serving you and glorifying you. In your name we pray. Amen. Did, did you just ask God to help me to be fluent? No one's ever had the guts to pray that before, before I speak. But you're my son, so you're like, hey, I'm going for it. Well, you did. Thank you. All right. Uh, we're in the book of... <laughs> Y'all are so excited about that. That's great. Y'all sounded so excited. It was written by who? No. Peter. He also wrote the book of Second Peter. Okay. And uh, he was one of the 12. And he wrote to this book to scattered believers. Okay. Scattered believers. Um, once again, context is going to be important to the passage that we read. I was riding in my truck with my son on Memorial Day. We were running, riding down that smooth, smooth road called 200. I don't know if y'all have ever been on that road. No potholes at all, and it's, I've only been doing work on it for like a couple months. And it'll be finished next week, I'm sure. So <clears throat> we're riding on that road, and well, have you ever seen, like, there's a flock of, there's birds that are called star, starling, I believe, and they, they fly in these packs, and, they, and they're in the sky, and there's like thousands of them, and they fly like they're a, like a creature in the sky. Have you ever seen them before? I've had a video clip. I've never got to throw it in there for you to see, but it's amazing because there's thousands upon thousands of them, and they're in like a blob that sort of moves in the sky, and they're like, they're so... You don't know how they don't run into each other because if we tried to do this, we would just be black-eyed and hurt people because we just couldn't work. They just somehow they can work as a team. And I've always been amazed at how birds can fly in the dark. Have you ever had it seems like birds like fly like in front front of your car and it's like wow, and you're like holy cow, that was close. Have you ever had that occur to you? Okay, good. You can relate this. Well, do you know how much like a cardinal weighs? Anybody have any? Two ounces. Two ounces is what a card. I, I haven't weighed one. My I, I I caught one. And I beat it. No, uh, I I haven't weighed one. Um, two, do you know how much my car weighs? It's a Toyota Sequoia. It weighs it weighs ninety six thousand ounces. That's what my car weighs. A cardinal weighs two ounces. We were riding down the road, and out of the corner of my eye, this red thing went flitting across, and instead of going, wow, that was close, it went, boom, and feathers went everywhere. Not everywhere, because it wasn't a whole lot of feathers. It was just like, and I went, son, was that a red bird? He said, yes, it was. I went, I don't think he made it. Uh, good news, he, he didn't mess up my grill, uh, and it didn't get stuck. No, I'm kidding. I did check afterwards. But, um, <clears throat> is that sad to y'all? Now, my wife's like, oh, what did his mama Oh, right? Um, the little guy, they, they don't miss much, but sometimes they do, and he misjudged that little bit, and he lost, right? And he didn't just, like, lose little. He lost big. 
you're like, man, this is such a sad, sad story. How do we recover from this? Um, let me ask y'all something and see if I can sort of really. So what are some truths in scripture that you have learned that, that you're called to obey or to follow with your life? You're, y'all are age 11 to 18, the youth in here. So what are some truths that you have learned that God has sort of given some c- c- commands? Yes. He is always with us. Okay, good, good. That's a great, great, great thing to know, right? We're supposed to love, well, well, and we do, right? That's easy. Okay, we love one another. He has a plan for us. us. Okay, he's in control. What else do we learn? What are some some do's and don'ts that that you've learned in Scripture uh, that has been preached to you that you've learned? Nothing, nothing. Be different from the world. Be set apart. Okay, different from the world. What else? Don't murder. murder. And that's like no fun. How can we have fun without that? Because we've all got our list. We just want. Okay, what else have have we learned? Would you all admit that you? Let's just put it this way: you've learned a lot of things of of who God calls you to be and how to live and how to act and what to do. Does God give us rules and lists and, and commands because he wants to squash our fun? So why do we have them? Because he cares. Do you think, just to, don't say it out loud, but just a question, do you think God actually cares about you? You think the commands that you've learned that he's allowed you to hear and be taught, have they been given to you with a a purpose in your life to not maybe even guide you, but possibly even to protect you? You know, I I was thinking about that. How many commands have we learned? And we know this is God. We believe God's real and we know the commands that he's taught us. But like that bird or those birds, we tend to just flirt with disaster. How close do we get to that car and go, oh, man, this is cool. I'm good. I'm fun. Because all it takes is that for everything to go wrong. And the, 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 the cool thing in my life, I have the opportunity, and I, I know Greg is, has worked with youth for a long time as well, and, and we've got the opportunity to see youth grow up and become men and women. But we've also seen youth grow up and, and crash in horrible horrible ways. It almost gets as so heavy, you just don't even want to keep doing what you're doing because it's sad. You know, even that bird, it's sad, that bird. I didn't mean that. I was, I was going like 40 miles an hour. I wasn't like flying because my car was going like this on the road. But it's sort of sad. But when I thought about it, I thought, man, how many times do youth know the commands and truths of God? You know what God's word said. I believe that God's real. I believe that Jesus Christ is real. He has changed my life. But then when it comes to Following the commands, we go, oh, but I'm good. I'll, I'll, I'll follow that stuff when I'm a little bit old, older. So now I've got one more question. What do you do when you get to a text of Scripture and it doesn't apply to you at all? Where you're at right here, right now, you read this text of Scripture and you're like, well, this has nothing to do with you. What do you do with it? Have you ever read something in the Bible and going, this doesn't, I don't relate to this. Have you ever been there? Or, or y'all are like amazing people because I, I get there a lot. I mean, I, w- w- and so tonight we're at a point of scripture, which I've, I read and looked at. And my first instinct was, 
And let's just skip over this and go to chapter 4 of 1 Peter. Because how in the world is this 1 Peter 3 going to relate to you? And then as I thought, I knew I wasn't going to skip it. I knew I needed to teach it because this is what I think. This may not relate to you right now, but what we're going to teach tonight is going to relate to everybody or most everybody in this room in some point. So what do you do when you get to text that doesn't really fit you now? Well, you study it and you store it. And we need to learn to do this. We need to, when we we get these texts, study and store, okay? Are you with me still? Sort of? Good. I will take that. Um, Anybody uh, in in the front rows been married before? Okay, I didn't think so. We're going to talk about marriage. And actually here, Peter talks about a very specific thing in marriage that probably most of us in, in our church haven't been in the same spot, which Peter's giving some very wise and sound advice. And you're like, well, why is this important for us? Hang tight. Are you going to hang tight? Please hang tight, because I think this is a really good word for us tonight. Now, and this is what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to hear God's truth, even store it, and then miss it later and misjudge life later. I want, to, I want you to store it and go, okay, I've heard about this before. I've heard about how, how we're supposed to deal with, with, with this. Now, um, the odds are that most of you in this room one day will get married. Do you think that's true or false? True. Somebody's like, please, Lord, just give me somebody that will look past my looks. Yeah. Um, so, and that prayer works. Um, just to let you know, I heard from a friend. Um, the, uh, an interesting statistic. Now, for some of you, you could be only two or three years away from, from marriage. But that's way too soon. Uh, especially for a lot of you. Uh, but some of you, you're 15 years plus. You're more than half of your life away from when, when, when marriage is, might, might come. What percentage of born-again Christians, those that are followers of Jesus, do you believe get married at this point? This is some, some Barna research group that's done this. What percentage? 90%. I've got a 90%. Who, who here thinks it's higher than 90%? Raise your hand. Uh, that, they, that you get married. Uh, that that you that there's this is a percentage of adults who get married who are born again believers. If you think it's above ninety percent, raise your hand. If it's below ninety percent, raise your hand. Ah, the actual amount is eighty four percent, but ninety was a great guess. Eighty four percent get married. Now, of of adults in the U.S., it drops down to seventy eight percent. Uh, uh, so it, it does drop down a little bit. So the odds are um, uh, you, you, you will get married, the, the students that are in this room. <laughs> Some of you need, need to pray more and live a little better. Um, just a side note, how, how many first-time mar- mar- marriages fail in divorce? What do you think that is? 45, 50, 40, 99, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 43, 43. what do we got? 27, 40, 40, 40. okay, that's, it. Well, that's good, we got, we got enough, enough numbers. You know, in the 80s when I grew up, it was always 50%, 50%, and this is the, the good news, it, it's actually gone down from, from then, that's, that's one statistic, that's it improved. 
Uh, and it's actually 33%. 33, one out of three first-time mar- 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 marriages. Now, the statistic gets skewed because for a second-time marriage, they've, they've been married, d- divorced, and remarried, it's 62%. For a third-time marriage, they were divorced twice, it's 75-plus percent that will end in divorce. So that skews the statistic. Just some, just some free things. So I share with you a famous quote, a famous quote by me, can I, am I allowed to say that? I think I am. Uh, last week that said, you're not married until you're married. a man. That'll preach. See, you're not. So don't forget that. You, but, but listen, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've been dating her for a week and we're in love forever. Yeah, right. Uh, or we're talking. We still, no one can define that term for me still. Y'all don't even know what you're doing when you're talking. That's weird. Uh, courting. All three of these things involve really the same thing. You're, you're working to find a spouse, and so you're all grouped together in that same lump sum. But don't forget, no matter what you are, talking, dating, courting, engaged, you're not married until you're married. Okay, so, so you don't have the rights. They, they're not yours. You don't hold tight to them, and no one else can look at them or, or, or give them a birthday card, whatever, however you get weird about it. You're not married until you're married. Okay, y'all are, you're fading away fast. So... 1 Peter 3, stand up. We're going to read this text uh, that is so apropos uh, for us tonight. And this is what it says. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold, jewelry or the cl- the clo- the clothing you wear but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious for this is how the holy wom- woman who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as as Sarah o- obeyed Abraham calling him Lord, and, and, and you are her chil- 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 children if you do good and do not fear anything that is f- frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker ve- vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your text. We thank you for your word. God, I think you've got so much truth in here that you want us to understand and get. And God, just help me to get out of the way and for you to show forth. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Now, now some of you might be going, aha, Pastor Dan, what you've been preaching to us for years is wrong. Because you might think that a lot. Didn't know that was going to be so funny. Is something happening? Okay. Um, just making sure because I don't want to fall and hit my head on something like I did that one time. Um, and you might think, man, what, what you've taught is wrong. Uh, and I've taught this, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. This is Second Cor- Corinthians six fourteen is the uh, verse, right? And so what I tell you this now, if, if, if you are dating for one, you're going to, for, for one, if you're dating for fun, you're going to get in trouble every time. There's a thing called self-control that as, as young people and older ones, we're not real good at. And so the more you set yourself up to fail, a.k.a. your bird flying in front of a big Mack truck, the more that Mack truck is going to hit.
hit you. So, um, so one thing that we say is, is you're, you should be dating to, to one day find the spouse that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. That's, that, that's where this dating thing or courting thing or whatever you call it, that, that's, that's the whole point of it. But one thing we've taught is, hey, God's word says you should not date a non-believer. Because why? You don't have the same standards. You don't have the same things in common with them. You don't have, can't have the same relationship with them than you can have with someone who has a faith or walk with Christ, if you have a faith or walk with Christ. Now, if you don't have faith or walk with Christ, the word just date whoever you you, you you want to. It sort of leaves that alone. But if you have faith, you put your faith in Christ, that's important. And now we see here in the text, the first thing he says to this woman in verse one, wives, be subject to your own husbands. We'll talk about that in a second. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. All of a sudden, he's, he's talking to women whose husbands don't follow God, don't, don't, don't believe in God, don't have faith in, in God. They're not Christians. That's who he's talking to. And you, you might be going right now, oh, ooh, they were bad people to marry non-believers. But there's a lot more that is going on in, in, in this text. First, context is king, right? If we don't understand the context, we're going to miss the whole point. Um, in, in, interesting note, in today's world, um, close to 20% of all belie- believers come to faith in Christ after their first marriage, after they've been married. They might, they're, a lot of them are still in their first marriage, but, but almost it's like 18% come to Christ after they've gotten married. So, so th- this text is going to apply to a woman who comes to Christ after she has been married, and there's a husband who doesn't know Christ. And, and, and you might be going, well, how in the world does this affect me or apply to me? It, it applies very much to you. Um, gosh, where, where's my, my note on this? Oh, when was this book written? Anybody know? Around 60 A.D. Don't, don't be like flipping around. 60 A.D. When did Jesus die on the cross? Around? Yeah, around 30, 30. It's not exactly known, but around 30, 80. So how many years has it been since Jesus died and rose again? Roughly. 30 years. Okay, 30 years. How long has Mercy Hill been a church? The celebration years count. I mean, we just changed our name, same church. 26 years. Since 93, we have been a church. So I want you to understand in, in, in that to grasp that Christianity has only been around for 30 years, sort of like how our church has almost been around for this long. And at that point, it's spreading like wildfire because it's now being persecuted. It's being attacked against. But as it spreads, who is coming to faith, young kids or adults? Adults. A lot of adults are coming to faith in Christ. So Peter, understand he's talking to a lot of the people that are going to read this letter, and they're trying to figure out how to deal with this because women are going, hey, he's not, he's not gonna, going to follow God. I'm going to leave him. And he's saying, hey, 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 don't leave him. Love him, and by your con- conduct, honor God. So he's, he's speaking to a very specific point and purpose for them. Now, 
man, some of you guys, this is your favorite verse in Scripture. Wives, be subject to your husbands. You're like, and girls are like, mm-mm, I will bust you upside the head. And they've got every right to, 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 to think that. This is, I, I've had men, this is 15 years ago, not at this church, but have come and met with me with their spouse and going, hey, she won't listen to me. And I'm telling her, because I'm in charge. God's word said I'm in charge. And he's like yelling at her in front of me. And I'm like, bro, you're missing the whole point of this. So understand, it says, it does say wives be subject to your husbands. But it is for your husband to lead and not rule. There's a difference. There's a lot of men in this world, and they're like, I'm going to rule my house. It's my house, my rules. I'm going to rule. And a leader and a ruler are two different things. A leader, a good one, walks beside you and helps lead the way. He, he, he helps protect you when harm comes. That's what a leader does. A ruler, he tells you what he commands you what to do. He uses you for his own good. Ephesians Chapter 5 talks about husbands and wives. And this is important for y'all to understand. These, these roles, it says, it says in verse 20, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. It doesn't mean submit as in kneel or bow before them when they walk in the room. It, it doesn't mean that you serve them and you wash their feet. That would be nasty. It means that, that God has called them to lead and you to go with them. But there's a rule that he puts in here for men that we're going to get to, and it says, "Wives or husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her." So, so ladies, hear hear me clearly on this. Y'all need to be looking as you are in the, when that dating bug, courting bug, whatever you call it, talking bug hits. You need to look for a guy that's going to love you like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And it's not going to always be the, the, the loudest guy, most good-looking guy in the room. Sometimes it's going to be this guy. And when you watch him and you see the way that he lives, you're like, that, that is what a man is supposed to look like. Because there's so many false, false men. Even in the church, there's guys that, man, they're going to look good. They're going to play the part. But if you watch them long enough, they're going to crash. So, so girls, look for that guy. That guy. Guys, be that guy now. If, you're, if you don't start, start to try to be that guy now, you will never, never be that guy. So we're going to hit a little bit back more on, on that. So it's not submission as in beat you down. It's, it's as you work together, as he leads and he protects and he guides. Then it says this. So what do you do if your, your, your hus- husband does not follow the word or seek after Christ? It says, do, do you leave them, divorce them? Do you nag them, berate them, belittle them, make them feel small? It says no. Let your actions and conduct win them over to God. Can I tell you, this is a great spiritual truth, and this is slightly out of context here, but in any relationship you have, and you will all have relationships with people that don't believe in God, that do have not put their faith in Christ. What do you do? I think you, you, you speak truth, you speak how to come to Christ, but your actions and conduct is what's going to show them who God is. And then it says this in verse 35. Are y'all with me still? Yes. Sort of? Okay, I'll take two people. Uh, verses 3, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold, 
jewelry or clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. I put up a a post uh, on Instagram today, and it said, essentially, uh, you are so much more than what a mirror reflects or a phone cap, 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 captures. Now, this is, that, that's the truth for g- girls and guys. And I want you to understand this. You are so much more than what you see in a mirror. You're so much more than what a picture shows. There is, um, first, uh, you know, gosh, there's so much going on in my head right now. Focus you know, the saying is this, focus more on the outside than the inside. It's not bad to look nice on the outside. Okay, so don't be like, I'm never going to bathe again because you're like, yeah, no, no. Because the word also tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, do you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? It's, it, 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 it tells us in 1 Timothy 4, for while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way. So there's something about keep keeping ourselves well kept. Uh, so it's not like, oh, that girl's got braids; she's going to hell. That's, that's not what the text is saying at all. It's saying is don't use the outward to supersede or to overcome what's on the inward. What's going to change things is the inward. What's more important is the inward. So what's interesting in this text, okay, is there's. Six verses for the ladies, the wife, and there's one verse for the man. You're like, that's right, because that's all men need is one verse. The ladies need a whole lot more help. That's not it at all. Look here in verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Understanding, boy, that word is impossible, here means knowledgeable and respectful. That, that's what it means. And, and know what this means? This wife that God has given you, the blessing, you are to know her, to know what, what makes her tick, what, what makes her feel good, what makes her feel loved, what makes her feel protected. Your job is to not only know her, but respect her. And that means you're going to do what you can to make her feel that way. I know this makes her feel this way, and I'm going to make her feel loved and respected. Ladies, when you find a man that does this, this marriage relationship is a, such a beautiful thing. It works. In, it's not one that is ruled over. It's one where he leads, and y'all both walk hand in hand in faith with Christ. That is, is what this relationship is supposed to be. Now, that verse I said before um, is Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's the greatest challenge any man in this room will have, the greatest earthly challenge you will have is to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Every day when you wake up, after you've made your vow, for better, for worse, for, uh, for, for sicker, for, for sicker, for poor, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, whenever you've made those vows in, in front of God and, and, and friends and her, the greatest challenge you have is to love her like Christ loved the church. You know what? Christ gave everything to the church. You know the church spit on him, reje- rejected him, turned its back on him. Know what that means, guys? You're called to forgive when the world says that's unforgivable. 
the challenge men have, in, in, and girls, hunt for a guy that's like this. Don't settle for a guy that's not. Guys, hunt for a girl who's going to love God more, more than she's going to love you. Who's going to, her wanting to honor Christ is more than her wanting to honor you. That doesn't make sense. It makes complete sense. Because when she wants to honor Christ and, and love God, she's going to love you even more in doing so. It's, it's a win-win. I've got a wife that's like that. Dude, I've got a wife that's just fantastic. But you got to fight. She's embarrassed. That's good. She, she, but she can't drive a car. I'm kidding. Babe. I'm kidding. I just said, I'm sorry, babe. Sorry. I'm, uh, no, you don't understand how many times she's wrecked something. Okay. But I love her because she's amazing. Sorry, babe. That was just out of line. I'm just running out of notes here. Sorry. Um, let, me, let me get back here. So, guys, we'll erase that. Don't forget. What a challenge that, that we have men, guys that are in this room. You're, like, you're, you're calling me a man. I'm, I'm 12. Well, you need to start to act like one. Don't act like a boy. A boy will go for the things of the world. A men will do things to honor God. Uh, and the greatest challenge you have is to protect the, the, um, the women around you. Okay, thank you for the ESPN update there. Whatever it was. Um, some of you may say, well, this is good stuff. I'll, I, I understand it. This is the role of a, 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 a woman. When a man leads like Christ loves a church, then she's under, she submits to that lead, leadership, and they, they, they grow in Christ. So I understand sort of that truth. I'll save it for later. But how does this even affect me now? And I think there's a truth, and um, in this part of the truth is God... When, when Jesus Christ comes into your life, it should affect all of your relationships. The way that you react to things, it should change the way you react to them. Uh, how you act on the inside is as important as you act on the outside. Um, and so even in friendships, uh, when someone stabs you in the back, I know no one's ever stabbed anybody in the back in our youth group because we're, we're all holy. Uh, but when, 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 when that occurs, what do you do? Do you... Do you f- f- forgive? Do, do you love even when it's hard to love? Uh, do you put your will down and, and look out for them? But how else does this apply to us? So, you know, if you're a believer in here, I'm going to say, hey, raise your hand if you're a believer. But if you are, and I think many in this room are, uh, guys and girls, you are referred to as brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So, is uh, what's the relationship with a brother and sister supposed to be? Not, not like, it, you know, because sometimes it can get pretty tough, right? Um, but do brothers and sisters look out for each other? You, 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 yeah, it's supposed to. We act like they don't. Even we pretend like we're not, but we are even when we're mad at our brother and sister. We're still trying to look out for them. There's something about that relationship. Even when there's strife, uh, you can mess with them, but no, no one else can. Uh, my sister was the meanest sister in the known world. It's like written in this book of, of, of time. And... Um, uh, that only changed, that would only change when someone else picked on me because uh, they weren't allowed to do that. She, I, she was the one that picked on me, and if they, 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 they picked on me, she was mad. 
and like protective. It was weird. I didn't know what was going on. It was like a dog that would bite you and then bite everybody else who was biting me. <laughs> Once when I was about 11 or 12, a couple uh, blocks uh, away from the house, I, was, I got jumped by the Anderson bro- bro- brothers. One was a year older than me. One was about three years older than me. Uh, and they took uh, three of my Star-, Star Wars guys, Darth Vader, and I don't remember the other two guys. And so I came home crying, and uh, my sister was there, and my mom and dad. My mom and my dad were like, well, go get your stuff back, son. Uh, you're going to deal with bullies all your life. And I was like, no, I don't, need, I don't really need the toys anymore. Yeah, they're like, no, you're going back. And so my, my sister was mad. She goes, come on, I'm going with, 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 with you. So she goes, and we go to their house, knock on the door. She shoves me up front, and I'm like, I want my toys back, please, you know. But you can keep them if you want them. Yeah, but she's like, ah, ah. And so uh, and she's standing, like, looking all tough, so they can bring the toys back. They give me Darth Vader. He was okay. Don't panic. Uh, and so I got those back, and, you know, the story goes, and this isn't part of my, my point, but as I'm turning to leave, she says, hey, Daniel's going to fight you tomorrow at noon by the oak tree at the Roach House. It wasn't like House with Roaches. That was their last name. Uh, And so so we had a boxing match with all the neighborhood kids all around. I'm like, I'm doing this. My dad helped teach me to box that night. I'm from that type of household. (laughs) My dad beat the crap out of me teaching me how to box. It was great. Uh, but then I took the kid out the next day. So, so, but that's, we don't cheer on fighting only when it's against bullies, and then we do cheer. Uh, but my point was this. My sister wasn't going to let anybody pick on me. She was going to look out for me. And can I tell you what I hope our, our youth group, if it isn't uh, that it, it, w- it will be, is that you will look around this room, and sometimes you, some of you guys or girls are going, oh, I just need to have a boyfriend or girlfriend. I just need someone to like me. I need this or that. And I think you're wasting your time in a lot of ways. You're, you're, you're chasing rabbits that aren't going to ever amount to anything but pain. And uh, what if we started looking around like brothers and sisters in Christ and treated each other and looked out for and stuck up for each other? Each, each other. Do, do y'all believe that's what the Word of God calls us to do or be? I mean, it really, it really does. Now, there might be a point where you start to like someone and a relationship begins, and I understand that, but, but I'll tell you this, it needs to be under uh, the approval of parents and all that stuff. You think, nah, I'm smart enough. You know you're not. <laughs> Some of you are just reaching the dumbest part of your years. You don't even know it, but you're beautiful people, and God loves you as a plan for your life. So, marriage. Girls and guys, get married. (laughs) Right? Um, This is what I want you to get out of um, tonight. Marriage is a fantastic thing. It's something God, it's a gift from God. It's something God has ordained and, and, and given. And my greatest hope for you, each one of you, is this that one day you will find that guy or that girl uh, who loves God more than you do uh, and who 
honors God, and you have lived a life where you have loved God and honored God with your life. And purity is an important part of that. And the world is going to tug at you and yell at you that you've got to do this to fit in. You've got to do that. Oh, it's okay if you love them. And God's word says, look out because you're a bird flying around Mack trucks, and they're going to take you out. They're going to, and I, that's the last thing I want for you. I want you to understand how great this life is when we honor Christ with it. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Dear God, we thank you so much for tonight, the chance to be here uh, and just talk about your word and um, this thing of, of marriage and roles and husbands and wives. And Lord, there's young men and young women in this room and one day most will be, be married. And God, help them even now prepare and strive and fight to be the woman of God or the man of God you call them to be. And Lord, help them not to settle for what the world says, ah, oh, this is good enough. This is this this will work, Lord. Help it not be good enough or what will work, Lord. Help it to be something that gives you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.